podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What's good, boys and girls? Two-footed podcast on Friday, the 20th of May, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you geoblocked from, while also keeping your data safe. A Liberty Shield VPN is useful if you're a UK expat wanting access to BBC iPlayer, ITV Hub, all four or Sky Go outside of the UK, Liberty Shield VPN can get you where you want to be and keep that data safe. The number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot, five star ratings across the board. If you go to libertyshield.com and use the code EPL25, that's EPL25, at checkout, you get 25% off. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks. We had three games in the Premier League last night, and congratulations to Everton on successfully winning the Premier League. Oh, no, 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 finishing 16th. Everton secured their survival last night with a fairly miraculous come-from-behind victory over Crystal Palace. Palace wiped the floor with them in the first half and were 2-0 up. Jean-Philippe Mateta and Jordan Ayew taking advantage of the fact that Everton's defence is absolutely atrocious to put Palace two up at half-time. But an excellent Michael Keane goal on 54. A somewhat fortunate Richarlison goal on 75. And then a diving header from Dominic Calvert-Lewin on 85 gave Everton the win that secured their survival for another year. The third goal was greeted with a pitch invasion. Nothing against the fans. The fans are absolutely right to do what they did, to express their celebration, to express their relief in that manner. What I have an issue with is what happened after the game, which was another pitch invasion, in which a couple of fans decided that the thing they wanted to do to celebrate their team's... Well, it's not a success because... You, you have had a massive failure this season and finishing 16th with that squad. But what they wanted to do in this moment of joy was go and try and take the piss out of Patrick Vieira. And Vieira was having none of it. And Vieira gave one of the Everton fans a bit of a kick. The Everton fan then fell over, uh, got up, tried to be a big fella again. Um, he was lucky Vieira didn't punch the head of him, to be quite honest. And after what happened to Billy Sharp, 
in the Nottingham Forest Sheffield United game, there really needs to be some more accountability against the fans. Players and managers have a right to protect themselves if someone invades the field of play. And we all saw what happened to Jack Grealish years back in the Birmingham City Derby when the Birmingham fan ran on and clocked him around the back of the head. These type of things can't be allowed to take place. And the FA, the Premier League, need to look into pitch invasions, what we can do to stop them, what they can do to stop them, and what punishments should be handed out. Again, no issue with the fans coming on to celebrate and to express their relief, but you just, you can't, you can't try it on with a player or a a manager, especially not someone like Vieira. Like Vieira is not some, you know, fragile little flower. Vieira will knock lumps out of you. The chap's an animal. We've also seen, I think last night as well, uh, uh, Port Vale fans attacking a Swindon player, um, which is just uh, atrocious. So, you know, these type of things need to be dealt with and maybe, maybe some sort of threat of points deduction or whatever, I don't know, in the future. Um, speaking of points deductions, though, Everton's problems don't necessarily end now that they have secured Premier League football for next season because having blatantly broken all of the spending rules in the Premier League, there is the possibility, which I'm led to believe is quite a strong possibility, that Everton will start next season with a points deduction. They also face the possibility of not being able to buy anybody this summer, even if they have to make a couple of big sales. You'd imagine Calvert-Loon and Richarlison will look to go this summer. Neither of them will want to be involved in that sort of mess anymore. Both of them will have offers on the table. Calvert-Loon apparently on the shortlist for Newcastle, for Arsenal, and for Manchester United. Richarlison has been linked to a number of top clubs. It is possible that Everton could have to sell both of them just to balance their books and not be able to really afford to replace them and start next season with a points deduction. So we'll we'll wait and see what happens. But either way, um, congrats to them on staying up. You're still managed by Frank Lampard, though, so you're in trouble next season as well. And for the media sycophants who want to lead the chorus of cheers for Frank Lampard and what a great fella he is. They were 16th when he took over. He led them into the relegation fight and all he has done is put them back where they were when he took over. As with Chelsea, where they were third in Europa League winners, he took them to fourth and then to ninth. Did not do a good job and was rightly sacked. Uh, At Derby, he took over a team that finished sixth, finished sixth despite spending a whole load of money and contributing massively to the mess that Derby are in right now. Uh, Frank Lampard is not a good football manager. He is the worst manager in the league, and I don't believe it to be close. Um, On the topic of that Billy Sharp incident in the Forest-Sheffield United game, uh, it looks like... An arrest has been made. 
a 25-year-old man presented himself to police and was arrested on suspicion of assault. Now, I did see a story last night where he'd been sentenced to... No, I'm wrong. This is on a different incident. This is about Ollie McBurney. So Ollie McBurney was pictured stamping on a fan's face. Now, the video is a bit odd. It doesn't really show where his foot goes or whether or not he was trying to avoid the fan's face. Um, But Ollie McBurney has surrendered himself to police and has been arrested and released on bail. The Billy Sharp incident, I did read that somebody had been jailed for it. Yeah, here we go. Man jailed for headbutting Billy Sharp. A 30-year-old man has been jailed for headbutting Billy Sharp at the city ground on Tuesday night, and he was jailed on Thursday for 24 weeks. That was a quick turnaround. Robert Biggs, a Nottingham Forest season ticket holder uh, from Derbyshire, admitted assault occasioning assault occasioning actual bodily harm which left Sharp requiring four stitches to a wound on his lip. Absolutely horrific. If you, if you haven't seen it, I, I don't recommend uh, going out of your way to watch it, but he absolutely mows down Billy Sharp. Um, good enough for him, but congrats. You're also an idiot because you're never going to be allowed in a football stadium again. That's got to come with a lifetime ban. That type of behaviour has got to come with a lifetime ban. We'll be interested to see what happens with McBurney. He's got previous as well of um, of assaulting people. There's a picture here of Goodison Park. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people on the crossbar, and it is bending drastically. I mean, it's just... That going on the pitch is one thing, this is something else. So, there's the Vieira incident, Swindon players verbally and physically abused. The Mansfield Town game was ended also in a pitch with a pitch invasion, and a Mansfield player, Jordan Bowery was shoved by a Northampton fan. And then obviously the Huddersfield fans ran onto the pitch after their win over Luton as well. Like this is just becoming far too commonplace. Far, far too commonplace. Especially like the Forest fans... The Huddersfield fans, the Mansfield fans, all you haven't won anything. All you've done is qualified for a game. You haven't won anything. Absolute shambles. The Everton fans, I can I can appreciate just the relief that they're they're experiencing. The rest of them, they've done nothing. All they've done is won a semi-final. Win the final and then you can celebrate. Also, before I move on, the the Everton players should be ashamed of themselves. Uh, Celebrating like they'd actually won something 
it, it's embarrassing. And Richarlison piping up and popping back at Jamie Carragher on Twitter. I know Carragher laughed it off, but you were garbage for most of the season. You're a big reason this team was where they were. And you're probably going to leave this summer because you've been making noise about leaving and you've had your agent snooping around trying to find you a deal. So let's not pretend you're committed to the cause here. Uh, other games last night, Aston Villa won, Burnley won, Ashley Barnes with a penalty for Burnley on 45, Emmy Buendia with an equaliser on 48, Matty Lawton sent off late on. Burnley's Premier League fate now back in their own hands. They are one point, no, sorry, they're level on points with Leeds, but they have a better goal difference. So they just need to match Leeds' results at the weekend. Leads away to Brentford, Burnley at home to Newcastle. I, I fancy Burnley to stay up. I have all along. I think it's Leeds. I think it's Leeds who are going down. Um, and again, just to reiterate, Everton are only staying in the division because there happen to be four really, really terrible teams along with them. In a normal season, they probably go down. Uh, Chelsea won, Leicester won in a game no one cared about. James Madison scored a great goal on six minutes and Marcus Alonso scored a quality finish on 35. Great ball from Reese James. Uh, Chelsea battered Leicester is the truth of it. But um, as with most Chelsea home games of late, they just couldn't find ways to score goals. Thomas Tuchel came out and said bizarre things about how finishing third was a miracle for, for Chelsea, given that N'Golo Kante had missed quite a bit of the season nonsense not have a look at your squad ha, have a look at your squad you have underperformed this season you've won nothing you're 19 points off the top of the table and your home form is an absolute travesty so you know when Everton have taken more points at home than you and they're garbage you need to have a look at yourself we'll do the gossip and then we'll bring in Mr Drinkle to run over this weekend's Premier League fixtures. Paul Pogba agreed terms with Manchester City, but turned down a move because he was concerned about a backlash from the United fans. This sounds like nonsense that people say after the fact, but if he agreed personal terms, I just don't see that he would turn down the move. Pogba remains a target for Juventus, who are hoping to bring the Frenchman back to Turin in addition to signing Jorginho from Chelsea. Okay. Kylian Mbappe will announce his decision regarding his future on Sunday, with the 23-year-old having been linked to Real Madrid. It looked like it was nailed on to Real, but in the last 24 hours, things seem to have shifted with PSG offering him some sort of ownership stake in the club and potentially big decision-making power. Um, very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. And we'll finally get an answer on Sunday and then the whole mess can go away. Uh, Arsenal, Newcastle and Everton are interested in Memphis Depay. Uh, let me confirm that Memphis Depay is not interested in Everton. May be interested in Newcastle, but I would imagine he would like the move to Arsenal. Uh, Argentina forward Paolo Dybala has ruled out a move to Tottenham. I think he's going to Inter Milan. 
Tottenham are also interested in a loan move for Clement Langley, who is free to leave Barcelona. He is uh, very average, and that would not be a particularly good signing for Spurs. A move to Barcelona is the priority for Robert Lewandowski. Everybody seems to be aware of that. Barcelona are interested in signing Kaladu Koulibaly and will try to offer Miralem Pjanic as part of any deal. Pjanic doesn't really make sense for Napoli, so I don't know that they'd be all that interested. Leicester will move for Hossam Auer if Yuri Tielemans leaves the club in the summer. I mean, Auer is very good. Him and Madison is a bit of a weird fit. Him, Madison and Dewsbury Hall in the one midfield would mean an awful lot of work for Wilf Ndidi, who's obviously had a number of injury problems over the last couple of years. Manchester United have been offered the chance to sign Serginho Dest, who could be a replacement for Aaron Wan-Bissaka, who will be allowed to leave United this summer. I think Wan-Bissaka is going to leave on loan, and it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up back at Palace. United appear to be on the verge of closing a deal for Urian Timber. I mean, he's a really promising young defender. I don't know that he will work all that well as a centre-back in the Premier League if you're playing a back four. Newcastle are closing in the deal for Dean Henderson. We had that one yesterday. Divock Origi is poised to join AC Milan when his Liverpool contract expires this summer. And fair play to him. Arsenal are ready to sell Nicolas Pepe. They're going to take a massive loss. A massive loss. West Brom have set their sights on signing Conor Hurren, who's been on loan at Sheffield United and whose Aston Villa contract expires this summer. He's a good championship midfielder. That's his level. Former Manchester City defender Vincent Kompany has emerged as a leading candidate for the vacant Burnley job. Ah, I don't know. I think they can do. I think they can do better. But maybe, maybe he'll do well. He's done all right at Amber. Like not great, but he's done all right. Juventus will not pursue a permanent deal for Alvaro Morata. Not surprising, given they bought Vlahovic in January. Southampton winger Theo Walcott is considering a move to MLS with New York Red Bulls, New York City FC, LA Galaxy and LAFC among his potential destinations. It sounds like that's his agent trying to drum up interest from the, you know, the marquee clubs in the marquee markets. Manchester United have cancelled their annual Player of the Year awards because their players were too embarrassed to attend such an event following a dismal season, and rightly so. The first decent thing United's players have done in about four years. Newcastle will open talks with Eddie Howe over a new contract this summer. You might want to hold off on that one. Genuinely, you might want to hold off on that one. Uh, Brentford, Bournemouth... Southampton and West Ham are interested in signing Keen Lewis Potter from Hull City. I've also seen Crystal Palace attached to a potential move for him. Very, very talented. Has had a really good season. Um, 12 goals in the league, four assists, another goal in the EFL Cup. Could be a, a potentially another Jared Bowen type to come out of Hull. I think he'll I think he'll go somewhere and he'll score goals. 
Right, that is the last of the gossip. We'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll have Guy Drinkle, and we will run quickly through the 10 Premier League games this weekend. See you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So, I am joined by Mr. Drinkle. How are you, sir? Nervous about the last game. That's about yeah. it, really. Understandable. Understandable. We have lots to be decided on the final day. So, the title is still undecided. Fourth is still undecided, although it looks like it will be Spurs. Uh, sixth is still undecided. Eighth is undecided. And then, I don't know why that matters, but to me it just does. The top eight, Finishing the top eight, I feel like you've done pretty well, even if you miss out on European football. Unless you're one of the big six. If you're a big six club and finishes eighth, that's just a disaster. Um, and obviously we have a massive, massive question mark over who stays up with both Burnley and Leeds facing tough games this weekend. So let's jump in, Guy, and get through these. Absolutely, and the first game, and it's not meaningless, but it's so much less meaning considering what Everton did last night. But Arsenal just need to win the game and hope for the best. Really, that that seems to be what the crack is. And obviously, Everton players, you've got Richarlison up at two in the morning messaging Jamie Carragher on Twitter for some reason. But yeah, so maybe they're a bit out of it for this one. Yeah, I think Everton will get smacked. I think Lampard will play. He's already said he's planning to play some of the players that played a bit less this season. So I, I think he's Van der Beek. It is <laughs> Donny Van der Beek will start hopefully. Uh, Deli Ali might get a start. I thought he he impressed when he came on against Palace. So I, I think Arsenal will get a comfortable win here. Uh, they need the win obviously because there's still the possibility that Spurs do a Spurs. Um, or they could win, you know, 20 nil and hope that Spurs draw draw against Norwich. But I'm going to go for a 4-0 Arsenal victory. Now, Arsenal do have some players out, Tomiyasu, Partey, Holding, mm. and Tierney. But um they should have they should have too much for Everton, who are still missing Patterson, Mina, Delph, Rondon. And Townsend, I'll go 4 0 to the Arsenal. Yeah, the, just get any win. I mean, there is, you probably haven't seen it yet, but once we get to Spurs, there is some historic repeats happening, possibly, but we'll get to them when, when Spurs come up. Uh, moving on now, this is actually one that has a lot of meaning Brentford against Leeds. Um, Brentford, since Ericsson's came in, they've been a team transformed. I can't remember where they were, but they were quite high in the um, points total since he, since his debut, I think it is. But Leeds, uh, their goal difference is what, I think it's what's keeping them in the relegation zone. It is at the main. How have you, mind, 20 more less goal difference than Burnley. That is, that's insane. That that's is what happens when insane. you concede 78 goals in a Premier League season. Jesus. But uh, yeah, this game's huge. This game is massive for Leeds, and unfortunately for Leeds, they are running into a Brentford team that are playing very well. Now, 
There is the possibility that Brentford are on the beach in this game, nothing really to play for. Though they could finish in the top half, that is still a, a possibility for them. And I saw Ivan Tony mention that that possibility. So maybe that is something that internally they have set as a target. If Leeds hadn't lost Calvin Phillips for three months, I don't think they'd be in the relegation mix. I think he, his his injury was so, so big for them. And unfortunately, I think it's what's put them down. Now, going into this game, no Roberts. Bamford, they're hopeful, will be available. No Forshaw, no Somerville, no Dallas, no Ailing, and no Dan James. Uh, Brentford, no Pinnock, no Jorgensen, no Goddess, and Onyeka should be back. I, I'm going to go the draw. I'll go the draw, and I don't think it'll be enough for Leeds. I'll say... I'll say 2-2. I mean, if Bamford's even 50%, fit, you just got to throw him in. You do. You do. You have to throw him in. Um, this is probably the last game for Leeds for a couple of these players like mm-hmm. Rafinha and like Calvin Phillips. And I think they'll want to go out with a bit of pride. So I can see them putting on a decent performance. But, you know, um, like you said, Brentford with Ericsson are just a very different team. He makes that midfield really tick. Him with Norgard and Janoltz really has the right balance. Do you um, think he'll stay at Brentford? I hope so. I do hope so. Because they're the club that gave him the opportunity to come back when everybody else was hesitating. Um, I think he's very comfortable there. I don't think the demands are too much. I think he can play when he wants and they'll sit him out in certain games and they'll kind of manage him. Um and I think if he stays there, you know, he's at any other club, he's just another player. At Brentford, he's the greatest player they've ever had. Mm. So if he sticks around for two, three years, I think Thomas Frank said it, they'll build him a statue. Mm. Like he'll be the greatest player Brentford ever had. And do you reckon Spurs, like I think Spurs would be the one out of the top six that might take him, well, take him back in that case? I wonder, Mm. yeah, I do wonder, because obviously he's still got the relationship with Son and with Kane. That front four with the the three of them and and Delhi was outstanding. Conte managed him at Inter, and he was part of a successful title-winning team. But I I don't know. He doesn't really fit in how Conte's playing at Spurs, because he's playing a two-man midfield and three up front. So I don't know. I, I think he's better off staying where he is because he's a guaranteed starter at Brentford as well. Like, he, he wouldn't start for Liverpool, wouldn't start for... But he might. He could start on the rights of Liverpool's midfield. But he wouldn't start every game. Um, he wouldn't start for City. He's the wrong age profile for Arsenal in terms of what they're doing. He I don't think really he'd go to Arsenal anyway with this. No, neither do I. He doesn't really fit at how Chelsea play. Mm-hmm. Um, he could fit at United playing on the left with Bruno as the 10. I mean, that's something that could work similar to how he and Delhi played together. I, I just want him to stay, to be honest. I, I want him to stay. I think it's, I think it would mean more mm-hmm. in his career if he stayed where he is and just continued to impress for this, this Brentford team. Yeah, I could say that. I, Chelsea might be an interesting one because they do have to rebuild their entire team, so he might mm. be a cheap option for them. But we'll see, we'll see. But yeah, I, I'm a, I agree with that. I hope he does stay at Brentford because 
it just made Brentford were already quite interesting with with Tony and that and and, and a few other players that I brought through, especially early on in the season, like Jan Yana and stuff like that. But Ericsson, he just makes it such a oh God. I was going to say a relevant team. That sounds such a big headed Liverpool fan thing to say, but just more intrigue about Brentford mm. when they were already quite interesting to begin with. If that makes sense, yeah, so, they're yeah. more fun as well. Yeah. Like anytime you get to watch an old school playmaker type, the type of guy who, like, there's not many left in the game of, mm. of that pure playmaker, pass first type of player. Um, On this, did you see Mesut Ozil's link with Hull City? That would be one of the strangest transfers in the history of the game. I would watch Hull just for I that. I would watch Hull every game. <laughs> uh, if, if he signs. I'll watch every single Hull City game. I might even buy a jersey. Um, we'll move to Hull. I love Me- like I love Mesut Ozil and I love Ericsson. I-, I love watching these type of players, and it always reminds me of like when Robert Prozanecki turned up at uh, Portsmouth, and he was past his best, and he was carrying a few pounds, but he just had this magic on the ball that you just you know you you, you don't get from a lot of players, and I think Ericsson's one of them. You know, he's not a big dribbler. He's not he's not impressive physically or anything like that, but his brain and his passing ability are outstanding. And I, I just want him to stay at, at Brentford, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. We might have to name this one Hull, Hull FC or something like that, but we'll see. Um, moving on then, uh, Brighton against West Ham. Like West Ham very much could finish six still, as you, as you said and in, in, mm. alluded to in the intro bit there. Uh, but Brighton can confirm themselves in in the top half, even with a draw, unless Brentford do a bit of a madness. Um, but I, Brighton could technically still finish eight, so it's an interesting one for them. It is, it is, and obviously Brighton finishing in the top half is a massive achievement for them if they can pull it off. Um especially given some of the runs they've had this season, like they went three months without a win, then they lost six in a row and then drew at Norwich. I don't know if it speaks to how competitive the league is or how lacking in quality the league is. I'm Mm. kind of torn on that. But for Brighton, I I do think they want top half, a top half finish. I think that will be a big achievement for Potter as well. Mm -hmm. Now look, they could still get it if they lose because I've got Brentford drawing. Um, and the only other clubs that could jump them are Palace and Newcastle, and we'll get to them. So I, I fancy West Ham to get the result here. I do fancy West Ham to go and win this game. If we look at the injuries, uh, no Samiento, no Mwepu, and no Motor for Brighton, whereas West Ham, it's just Ogbonna and Benrama, and Benrama might be back. Ben Rama might be back. So if West Ham are at full strength, I fancy them to go and get the win. So I'm going to go 2-1 to West Ham. I think Moyes will want to finish the season on a high. And obviously they got a good result last weekend against City. I'll back them to get the win this weekend. And I'll back them to finish sixth. Yeah, it's not the most intriguing game, but I think midfield's probably the position you have to look at this if, if well, we're watching highlights or whatever later on. But 
probably Basuma's last game for Brighton. Mm, yeah, um, almost certainly Basuma's last game yeah, for Brighton. Maybe Declan Rice's last game for West Ham, but that, that's got a bigger price tag. But the battle of midfield is that it's, it's the two lads that seemingly have bigger clubs in their future, you'd expect. But almost more in, interestingly is Moises Casado and Thomas Suchek. Thomas Suchek is a very good player, but Casado and Basuma seemingly formed a really good partnership. But if you let's stick on Basuma for a sec. What would you move from Brighton to Villa, who was one of the teams linked with it? It doesn't doesn't really seem that big a well a jump at all. I think Brighton's the one that have the more clear path forward. Mm. But Brighton have a much better manager, mm. and they're a better team. Mm. But Villa are Villa are a much bigger club than Brighton. Absolutely. Um, so in the yeah. short term, it's it's probably a backwards move. But in the long term, potentially you can be part of something really special at Villa when you look at, you know, the money behind them and, and the likes of Martinez, Cash, Conza, Dina, Ramsey, Chukwemeka if he stays, Buendia, Watkins, Coutinho. There's a possibility of something at Aston Villa. Mm-hmm. So he could go there and be part of that. John McGinn as well, I didn't mention, but I, I'm not a big John McGinn fan. But there's, there is something at Villa that he could be part of that could be very, very good. Um, but again, like the same is true of Brighton. You look at that team mm. and you've got Lamptey and Cucurella, two outstanding wingbacks. You've got a goalkeeper that I'm not massively high on, but a lot of people do rate highly. Mm. Uh, you've got Duncan Webster as two of your three centre-backs. They need a centre-back for sure. In midfield, they've got a, an absolute boatload of talent with Casado, Motor, Mwepu and him. There's four that you could be running out there in midfield and constantly having high-intensity, high-energy pressing from those midfielders, good in attack and defence. And then you've got Trossard, you've got... McAllister, uh, mm. you've got Mope. All they're missing is an, a centre-back to complete the back three and a striker. If they could get both of those two, that's potentially a Europa League team under mm. Graham Potter. And there's, there's some decent depth there as well. And they've got a bunch of other young players that they've signed over the years, currently out on loan, who might be ready to... Com- um, to contribute next year. Like, if you look at on loan at the moment, there's uh, Carbonic, who's very, very good, young left wing back. He could be a really good back up there. You've got um, Andy Zakiri, who's on loan at Augsburg, talented Mm -hmm. player. Uh, Kasper Kozlowski is absolutely outstanding. The one they just signed, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, then there's Dennis Undav, who's had an outstanding season for um, Union Berlin. They've got a couple of others that they've got on loan as well, um, including Leo Ostergaard, who's a really good centre-back. He's a general. He might be the one to come in and start mm-hmm. in that back three. They lost got- a young centre-back to, was it United, I think? Yeah. I something like, I can't remember his name. Was it Cobbley or something? Collier, yeah, I, something like that. Collier sounds right. Yeah. Collier sounds right. And then they've got, you know, a bunch of young players in the under-23 squad. Sarmiento, mm-hmm. Moran, Roberts, McGill, Leonard, um, Evan Ferguson, 
Jensen Weir, the young midfielder they've got there that they brought in from Wigan, wasn't it? Wigan. He's been on loan at Cambridge this past season. He's very, very talented as well, but missed a lot of time with an injury. There's a lot of talent there. And I do sort of look at Brighton and think, if you could just keep hold of what you have, Mm -hmm. add a couple more pieces, like there is something that you could build there, like something very, very good. It's only a couple of pieces away. Oh, they've got um, Abdullah Sima as well, the, the fellow that was oh, a yeah, yeah. Yeah. this past season. But he had, I think he had some injuries as well. Um, Brighton brought him back. But um, yeah, I, I if I was Basuma, I might stick around. I might well, stick around. I might extend my contract by two years, stick around another year and see what happens. Because what age is he? Like he's only 25, isn't he? Something like that, yeah. He'll be 26 in August. If he gave them one more year, he'd be 27 the following year, and then he could make a real decision. But, yeah, I think if I was him, I I probably would stick around for the year. Well, I was going to ask you, could he be the Rice replacement at West Ham? I don't think Rice is going to leave this summer because I think West Ham have priced him out of the move. Um, If we look at the, the club's who are in need of Declan Rice. Arsenal, they don't have that kind of money. Mm-hmm. United, I don't think he'd want to go there because why would you go there right now? Like, United is not are not better than West Ham right now. And West Ham, at least, is a settled environment, whereas United's a toxic environment. I don't think Ten Hag plays that mad in midfield as well, does he? No, I'm not, not really. I don't, I don't think Rice is a great fit for Ten Hag midfield. Now, Chelsea's the obvious one that stands out. But we don't know what the situation with Chelsea's going to be in terms... Like, there's a lot of these journalists saying, oh, Chelsea are in for this £70 million player. And that's £70 million. No one knows what they're going to have to spend because... And they've got to buy a whole new defence. That's exactly the thing. They've got to replace two starting centre-backs in Christensen and Rudiger. Um, they've got to figure out what's going on with the with the the fella up front. As Coquette is going, he's Alonso. probably going. Alonso could be going. Yeah. Kante could go. Jorginho could go. I I think I think Chelsea's the club to avoid this summer. Personally, I think he's better off sticking around another year. I also think if West Ham had a slightly better squad this season. And I'm not talking like massive changes. I'm talking maybe, you know, one up front uh, who could rotate in for Antonio, one at the back and another body in midfield. I think they probably would have got top four. I think when you look at how poor their form has been over the second half of the season, they'll look at that and think, well, we're only 12 points off Spurs and we've barely won a game since January. If we had a better squad, we could have gotten top four this year. They were distracted by the Europa League. But top four was right there for them this season if they just had a bit of a better squad. You look at, they've lost 13 games. So have Arsenal. Spurs have lost 11. West Ham's issue is too many draws. Eight draws. If they could have turned some of those draws into wins, West Ham could be top four right now. And... 
wouldn't wouldn't it mean more for Rice to play Champions League with them than with the others? Because going into next season, we don't know what Chelsea are going to be like. Arsenal, massive question marks over them. And they'll have European football, which they're not mm-hmm. used to. So I think that we'll see them slide. United, first season of potentially a massive teardown and rebuild. Like, mm-hmm. realistically, Ten Hag might be looking at this and thinking, I'm going to tear it all the way down and then build it all the way back up. Like, like Klopp he did has to, really. I think he has to. I think some United fans think, oh, well, one or two players here. But it's been one or two players here for United for years now. I think United need a massive rebuild um, because I think the culture needs to change. If I'm Rice, I probably stick where I am. And I think, like I said, I think I think West Ham will price them out of a move. Plus, those moves will be there in twelve months. They will. They'll be there in twelve months. So stay, stay the course, stay where you are. And uh, but if yeah, if if West Ham did sell Rice, I'd probably go Calvin Phillips. Yeah. Over Basuma just in terms of fit. But I might consider trying to buy both. Yeah. And to be fair, if I was Man United, I think I'd buy Phillips and, and Basuma before I'd buy Rice because they'd probably come out about 20 million cheaper combined. And Phillips I don't. Two, two spots, yeah. And I don't think he's better than either of them. I think he's very good. I think he will be better than them. But I don't think right now he's better than either of them. Mm. Yeah, yeah. From what the little I know of Ten Hag, Calvin Phillips probably seems more like it, but see how Leeds he is. He might do a full Alan Smith. Who knows? But uh, we'll, we'll save some summer content there. Uh, probably do this one a bit more detail, then we'll skip through so we don't do a two-hour pod here. But Burnley-Newcastle, one of the games that has a, has a lot of meaning here, Dave. I mean, Burnley, you've kind of backed staying up most of the season. Mm. Newcastle away from home. What's their recent form? Obviously beat... Um, Arsenal, but two losses before that it was against City and Liverpool, so kind of let them off there. But Newcastle, we we, we know the crack by now. They've been really good under Eddie, Eddie Howe, especially since January. But Burnley Burnley need this. And you said uh, Leeds would probably draw at best mm. earlier on. A draw here seems like money to me. Yeah, I mean, look, like I said, if all Burnley need to do is match the Leeds results, so if they get a draw, they stay up. Newcastle are coming into this game with a lot of injury issues. Chris Wood is a doubt. Fabian Schaar is probably out. Ryan Fraser's a doubt. Shelby's out. Willock's out. Manquillo's out. Lewis and, and Hayden are out. Uh, they're they're safe. I think, I think they might have had their their last hurrah for this season in the Arsenal game. Uh, Burnley, they're hopeful that Ben Mee will be back. Westwood is out. Goodmanson is out. Vidra, Peters and Loughton will all be out. But I think Burnley will get a win here. I'm going to go 1-0 to Burnley. I think it's going to be an ugly game of football. I think Burnley will survive. I think Leeds are going down. Yeah, it'd be a shame for Leeds, really. Um, But yeah, it kind of feels that way. Um, moving on then to Chelsea against Watford. I this might come off a bit strong, but I think this is an embarrassing season for both these teams. I mean, two, two cup finals for Chelsea's well and good, but what are the 18 points behind Liverpool and 19 points against mm. Man City? They, I, I, if I remember correctly, when Liverpool and Chelsea drew, I think they were on the same points. 
So of that second half of the season, that bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, it really is embarrassing. Mm, it is. It's shocking. Um, and their home form has been really poor. But luckily for them, they face one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, no Hudson-Odoi, no Chilwell. Werner, not fit. Uh, Kovacic, not fit. Christensen is unlikely to play. Um, I, I, look, it doesn't really matter. Watford are missing a load of players. It, it seems like a lot of the managers <laughs> just don't want to play, to be honest. That's what it seems like to me, that a lot of those players just don't want to play. So I'm not going to talk about them. I'm going to say yeah. Chelsea win this game 3-0. And... Um, Roy Hodgson will clap the Chelsea fans. And Roy Hodgson will applaud the Chelsea fans. <laughs> and, and that'll be it. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh, a bit of interest in this one. Palace against Man United. Man United kind of, well, just been dreadful on and off most of the season. Ten Hags apparently be going to be there for the last game. It, there was all rumours he might have taken over the last game and stuff like that. I doubt it would make a difference because, as you, as we said on the uh, the right bit, if, if United were to sign anyone, it needs to be a whole rebuild. Mm. And whether they finish Europa League, Conference League, again, similar to Chelsea, but a lot worse. It, it's an embarrassing season for a team that was pictured by many. Not, I don't think anyone on this podcast or on today was podcast said, we're going to be in the title challenge and not to not even get top four or be in consideration of top four in the last three, four weeks. It, it, it's an embarrassing season. It is. It's the worst. Well, it's the worst season they've ever had in the premier league. Um, they're going to finish with the lowest ever points total. I don't think they're going to break the 60 point barrier. I have this one down as a draw. I'm going to go one, one. Now, I do wonder if perhaps after last night we see Palace come out wanting to prove a point because their mm-hmm. second half performance was a bit, a bit of an embarrassment. Mm-hmm. United doesn't look like Luke Shaw will be back, but Rashford and Sancho could be back. Uh, Bailly is back. Pogba's done. And obviously Mason Greenwood is out. For Palace, no MacArthur, no Tompkins, no Elise, no Ferguson. Um, I'm going to go, I'll go 2-2. I think it will be a fairly crappy game with a lot of sloppy play. Um, United can't defend. I think Palace will, will cause them some problems, but United have, you know, have Cristiano. And where would they be without his goals this season? So, yeah, I, I think he scores one. I think someone else will score, and I think we'll get a 2-2. I'll go, yeah, 2-2, and United to finish 7th, Palace to finish uh, 12th. I think that's about right. I don't know. If Palace don't finish 13th, I think the world might implode or something like that. I think that's possible. That might be in the contract. It is. It is. Uh, Next up, then, Leicester against Southampton. The 9-0 game or 9-1, whatever it was. I think it was nil. Uh, from years back, maybe Southampton do an Uno reverse and win this 9-0. Who knows? They probably won't because they've been dreadful for ages now. Um, yeah, apart from Nathan they have, Redden, They've been, they've been atrocious. But this is a weird Southampton team. And this is the type of game where no one expects them to get anything and they get something. Now, Leicester, Telemans is unlikely to play. James Justin is unlikely to play. Um, Ryan Bertrand is out 
and then Didi is out. For Southampton, no Perot, no Forster by the looks of things, and obviously Tino Livermanto's out. I'm going to go for the draw here. Mm. I'm going to go 1-1. And I, there's no real reason to talk anymore about this game because it is largely irrelevant. Pointless. Other than it could be a last... Well, even the lads you said missing there, it could be their last games for... Yeah, for could, Leicester. Be could be Thielemans' last game. Now, Leicester should, can should still be get eight. Yeah. It's weird that nobody's picked him up and that, mm-hmm. that there's not more clubs been linked with him because he would be a really good addition for most clubs. Um, Leicester can still get eight. They don't deserve eight. So I'm going to I'm going to back them to get a draw and finish ninth. Yeah, absolutely. Now we have to basically talk about these next two games in tandem, and that's Liverpool Wolves and Man City against Aston Villa. Now, lo- all logic aside, it, it's probably both teams will win nervy but comfortably in the end. Do you know then, what? Let's do let's do the other games. What have we got? We've got those, not, I think it's just Norwich Spurs. Yes, let's do Norwich Spurs Norwich. first. Right. And just get it out of the way. Right. Spurs are going to win this game. They're going to win it comfortably. They go into the game with no Tanganga. Romero's a major doubt, which is a, a blow for them. No Doherty, no Regulan, no Skip. But Emerson Royal has been really good in recent weeks. Hmm. And Ryan Sessignon has been really good in recent weeks. Norwich, no Day, no Omabamadeli. Uh, Gibson's a doubt. Gilmore's a doubt. Zimmerman's out. McLean is out. Sargent's out. Quebec is out. Norwich are getting spanked. I'm going 4-0 to Spurs. I think they will comfortably wrap up their top four finish, and that's that one done. Now, Dave, there is interest in this one. Right, go on. Because there might be food poisoning gate again at Spurs. Well, Harry Kane is ill, apparently, and Gary Lineker said there might be food poisoning in the camp, but um, what's his name? Alistair Gold, I think he said it's not food poisoning. It's just Harry Kane being a bit ill because he's pulled out of some media uh, thing he had today. But it'll be interesting well, to see I if know, that develops. Yes, yeah, so what I know is that Spurs, for the last week, all the players have only been allowed to eat food prepared by the two club chefs. Mm-hmm. That includes all their meals at home as well. It all has to come from the club. This was something Conte decided on. So I don't think it's food poisoning. I think Kane probably just has a bit of a virus. Maybe he has COVID. Who knows? I don't think they'll need Kane in this game. If I'm honest, I think they're going to win it comfortably anyway. But I'm going 4-0. I'm going Spurs to finish fourth, which uh, I think is a good achievement by Conte, considering what a mess he took over and how infuriatingly inconsistent they've been across the season, I still think they get fourth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. I agree with that. I think they could probably miss another three or four players and still at least get a draw with Norwich, to be fair. Um, Right, title time. Two games together, all logic says both teams are winning rather comfortably, Mm. but football isn't logical at times. Narrative, Dave. The narrative is is very strong here. The script writers, if there was any, would absolutely have Liverpool to win the title, given the possibility of a quadruple, given the possibility of history. 
City, John Stones is a doubt. Kyle Walker is a doubt. Mendy and Diaz are out. Now, obviously, Pep said John Stones and Kyle Walker were out until the end of the season. And then they turned up in training yesterday. So Pep once again proven to be a big, bold liar. Uh, <laughs> Aston Villa, no Konza, no Bailly, no Courtney House. So Villa is going to be pretty much the same team that played last night, though I'd imagine either Danny Ings or Phil Coutinho start instead of Chuck Wemeka. Um, Liverpool, Fabinho's out. Gomez is out. I think Salah and um, Virgil are probably fine. I think they'll make the bench. Wolves, Kilman is out. That's a massive blow for them. Semedo's out, massive blow. Romain Sice is out, moderate blow, but still, you know, that's another centre-back out. I think Liverpool are going to win really comfortably because Wolves have been diabolical of late. They've got nothing to play for, really. They're still trying to cling on to eighth, but like their form has been so poor in recent weeks. It's been dreadful to be truthful since February. They lost to Arsenal. They beat Spurs. They beat Leicester. They lost to Arsenal. They lost to West Ham. They lost to Palace. They beat Watford. They beat Everton. Everybody beats them. They lost to Leeds. They beat Villa, who aren't very good. They lost to Newcastle, lost to Burnley, lost to Brighton, drew with Chelsea, hammered by City, drew with Norwich. I think they're going to get beaten comfortably. I'm going to go 3-0 to Liverpool. But unfortunately for Liverpool, I don't think it's going to be enough Mm -hmm. because I do think City are going to win. I do think City will win. I don't think it's going to be hugely comfortable because I think there's something about Villa and how they play that reminds me of how Palace and Southampton played against City. Ollie Watkins will be very, very difficult for City to deal with, especially if they decide to go direct. The issue is, like, let's have a look at Villa's defence. Tyron Mings, Callum Chambers, these aren't exactly the best of the best. I'm going to go 3-1 to City and City to win the Premier League title. Yeah, I sadly agree. But but we live in hope, Guy. We do. We live in hope of Villa pulling off a miracle, City choking under the pressure as they have in the past. Mm-hmm. And let's but be just... honest, it should never have got this far from Man City's perspective. No, it shouldn't. The fact that it's it's coming to the final day is is massively disappointing for City. Simple as that. Mm. If Villa can get a fast start and get a goal, anything can happen. But I still think City will win. Yeah, I agree. And that'd be City winning the league. It'd be Tottenham getting top four. We don't care enough about top ten. But it'd be Leeds getting relegated. There's the key... Mm. And West Ham finishing sixth and United put into the Conference League, which is just hilarious. Yeah, that would be it. So we'd end up with City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Tottenham, Arsenal, West Ham, United, Wolves, Leicester, Brighton, 
Brentford, Palace, Newcastle, Villa, Southampton, Everton, Burnley, Leeds, Watford, and Norwich. That would be the final Premier League table if these work out. Now, Mark Lawrenson, after more than 20 years, legendary BBC football pundit, legendary BBC football pundit Mark Lawrenson is making his final set of predictions this weekend. Um, he has done 8,000 predictions since 2000. He's done his final ones. So let's see. Let's see what he's gone for. So he he hasn't gone up against anyone this weekend. It's just him. He is picking Arsenal to beat Everton 2-1. He's picking Brentford to beat Leeds 2-1. He's gone the 1-1 draw in Brighton West Ham and Burnley Newcastle. He's got Chelsea beating Watford. He somehow got United beating Palace. He's got Leicester beating Southampton. Liverpool beating Wolves 2-0, City beating Villa 3-0, and Tottenham winning 2-0 away to uh, to Norwich. So that is what Mark Laurel Lawrenson has done, uh, and the best of luck to him in whatever it is he's going through. Now, hopefully retire, because, uh, you know, he, we just shouldn't have to deal with him anymore. Right, that is us for this week. That is us for the Premier League season. We will, of course, be back Monday. But that is the last Premier League predictions of the season. And uh, we thank you as always for listening. And we'll see you next week. Enjoy your weekends. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.